This is Daniel Gallardo, and you're listening to the Tenkara Cast, a podcast about the simple Japanese method of fly fishing, Tenkara. In the Tenkara Cast, we'll be sharing information on techniques, history, philosophy, and Tenkara stories from anglers all over the world. This podcast is brought to you by Tenkara Yosei, introducing Tenkara outside of Japan since 2009. It's only possible we create content such as this podcast and videos because of your support. So we thank you so very much for purchasing Tenkara Yosei rods, lines, and flies. I hope you enjoy learning more about the simple method of fly fishing. So today I'm really excited. We have here Go Ishii. He just arrived from Japan a few days ago in the United States. He spent a few days in Bozeman uh, with a friend of his doing some Tenkara fishing out there. And Go Ishii is here in the office right now, just ahead of the 2015 Tenkara Summit. And uh, we're going to be talking about Tenkara, his experiences with uh, Tenkara in Japan, different teachers in Japan, and also like, you know, what uh, his views on Tenkara are and that kind of thing. So thanks so much for coming in. Go. Well, thank you for having me. Should I call you Ishi-san or Go? How just, do? Just call me Go. Go? Yeah, that's All right. shorter and easier, I suppose. <laughs> so that's going to be a little confusing when we go fishing. I'll just tell you Go and you're going to think that I'm telling you to I go know. ahead. And it's, it's a problem I've been having my entire life. So you might have to think of a nickname or something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because otherwise you'll be... It's like fishing yeah. with Ishigaki Sensei, and he tells you, go, 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 keep moving. Because yeah, I played the cross, um, I started playing the cross when I was 13 or something, and I played until I was 30, but that really was a big issue the whole time. Because you hear people screaming, go, and like, what, me? And it's not me, you know? <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> so we had some problems. Um, but maybe, I don't know, Ishi, go, whatever you want to call me. As yeah, as well, and then Ishigaki Sensei, he tells people to call him Ishi, so that could be a little confusing too, so. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll call you Ishi-san. Okay, okay. <laughs> yeah, so thanks so, so much for coming. And, uh, you know, listeners that are listening to this podcast episode right now, they might notice that you speak flawless English. You have no accent. How come? I don't. <laughs> well, you speak really, really okay. well English, Thank you know, you. and I'm Thank introducing you, you as yeah. coming from Japan. So I, so I came to go to a boarding school starting out seventh grade, and that was back in 1991, and I ended up... Uh, staying in the U.S. until I was 30, so that was 18 years. Oh, okay. Um, mm-hmm. Returned to Japan to start a business back in 2008. Um, got married to a second-generation Japanese um, American citizen. And um, so I'm just over there working on my stuff, but I do get to go fishing, um, tenkara fishing, quite often. So that's a, so that's a bit of a trade-off for me. But yes, I did spend about 18 years living in the States. So. And when did, you, when did you pick up tenkara? So I started fishing maybe when I was three or four. And um, I started out fishing by the docks, and I saw the river flowing into the bay, the sea, and I uh, was like, oh, maybe I'll try fishing there. And I just sort of worked my way up the stream and eventually ended up in the mountain streams. And that was when I was maybe eight um, at first. I was fishing with bait, um, and I, there was no information available on Tenkara. And I was sort of flipping through this KDU uh, Mountain Stream magazine, and I saw a picture of a man with a rod that had a cork handle and this visible, uh, I think it was a yellow line, and there was a trout, Yumana, at the end of it. I was like, what is that? And um, I right away took my um, bait fishing rod put some yellow line on it and went out and bought some kibari 
tried to do it. This is when I was 10, and I and there was um, I didn't there was a lot of memory on the line. I didn't know how to straighten out, and I and I didn't know how to cast, and um, the experience wasn't very good at the time. But since then, it became a goal for me to sort of achieve ten kara techniques. So although I was going to school in the U.S. Um, through my teenage years, I I'd go back to Japan for summer vacations, you know, and go try tenkara. So after um, age 18 or so, I think I finally finally caught my first fish on a tenkara rod. And since age 21, um, I've been basically a full-time tenkara angler. Mm -hmm. But you and uh, since you're 21, but you still lived in the states when you're 21. So did you? This is during the summer. And okay. when, I, when I came back to the States, I didn't really fish tenkara at all. I just, mm -hmm. um, so this is me as a Japanese person speaking. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so when I was in the U.S., I was doing other things. You know, of course, fishing has always been part of my life. So um, if I had the opportunity to go out, fish for bluefish or stripers in the ocean, I did that, you know, with my buddies. And um, So you'd go back to Japan, fish with tenkara just on your own? Like was oh, somebody I, teaching you? No, or? I, I tried to figure it out myself. Uh -huh. um, and as I grew older, I found some older books and tried to do my research and um, figure it out where to get the rods and whatnot, you know. Mm -hmm. um, so it was basically self-taught until very recently, mm -hmm. about five years ago. And, you know, so like, you know, let's talk about the time that you're kind of going back and forth until mm -hmm. you're 30. So you go back to Japan, do some tenkara during the summer, come back to the States. Uh -huh. Did you ever bring a tenkara rod back to the States in those times? Uh, um, I did just bring one rod to give as a present to a friend. Uh, okay. uh -huh. um, Not he's, for he's fishing. He's an avid fly fisherman. And he was like, you know, I just told him, hey, there's a method called tenkara. This rod is used for that type of fishing. No, here it is. And uh, no, I never did that. Okay. Mm -hmm. And uh, so in the last five years mm -hmm. or so, so we're talking 2010, mm -hmm. you really kind of took took the bug like big time. Oh, yeah. And started really delving deeper and deeper into the, in the method, huh? Yes. So see, I went back in 2008. Um, the first year and a half, I was really busy starting up my own business and um, couldn't really find the time for fishing. But then my business grew, I had more employees and more time for myself. Okay, I'm gonna do this Tenkara thing, um, take it more seriously. So, um, and I started fishing in the Kanto region close to Tokyo and my house. Um, but then I wasn't really happy with the rods that were available on the market at the time. So I started looking online and I found and heard about Masami Sakakibara. Um, he was selling his own rods online, so I sent in an email and inquired about the rod. So I purchased it right away. In the process, they um, asked me to come to an event that was uh, taking place in Tokyo. So I went to see that, and uh, that's when everything started. And I started to talk to Masami and all of his other students and other people in the Tenkara community in Japan. And um, well, and here you are. Here I am. <laughs> <laughs> As a recognized name, a lot of people in the online community now know your name because you post some good reports once in a while, and uh, you know you've communicated with people as well. Yeah. So, so you started learning with uh, Sakakibara Sensei mm -hmm. or Masami. Uh, that was like two thousand nine, ten, something like the nine or ten. Okay, and yeah. um, and I did kind of offer to them the idea of building a website, mm -hmm. and. Mm -hmm. 
um, when you go get lessons, when you go to one of his lectures, you're usually with maybe 10 to 15 others, and you don't really get that much information out of him because there are so many people. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was like, mm, I want to get, like, I want to steal and, like, know everything that he knows. Mm-hmm. Um, how can I do that? So I offered him, hey, maybe we can work on this website thing together, and I'll do the English version for you. Mm-hmm. No charge, but maybe you can teach me one on one for a few seasons. <laughs> yeah, and that was uh, so we made that deal. Nice. And yeah. um, he uh, was like on my back teaching me everything that he knew about Tenkara for two seasons or so, and it was very helpful. He really changed my fishing entirely. Mm-hmm. And the best thing that came out of it really was that more so than the techniques or knowledge, um, people. You know, I got to meet um, the core group of the Japanese Tenkara community, and they're all wonderful. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that's how you and I met I, uh, through Dr. Ishigaki. Yeah. Well, and actually with Masami, yeah. it was two years ago, I believe, when we first met in person. Yes. Uh, I was visiting, spent some time fishing with Ishigaki Sensei, who you also know and yeah. learned with, and mm-hmm. then went out and joined you with uh, Sakakibara-san. Yeah fish together mm-hmm. so Sakakibaro san is the first person that you kind of learn directly from besides yes. book yes. and then you also got to connect and learn from other people like Ishigaki sensei yes. right and along with um, other people that used to um, you know you've heard about team Oni right mm-hmm. the guys that spend a lot of time with Masami mm-hmm. um, some of them maybe 15 years mm-hmm. um, and they're all amazing amazing yeah. anglers not f- just for the techniques but also for the depth of knowledge of mm-hmm. the wilderness the river the ecosystem the fish behavior everything mm-hmm. and uh, when you go f- on fishing um, outings with them you don't just go fish during the day and come back you spend two three nights with them so we have this um, drinking session <laughs> after the day of the day of fishing where you get to <clears throat> Well, you share information, but at the time I didn't have much to offer, so I was more of a, more of a recipient of this knowledge. But that really broadened and widened my um, knowledge in Tenkara and Japanese streams altogether. So yeah, and it's always amazing to watch a group of people, you know, that have a lot of experience, know the water, like especially sure a lot of the technique, a lot of the casting. But then even if you fish with them for a while, mm-hmm. like, you know, I've had the pleasure to fish with uh, Sakakibara-san for a while. Uh, but then, like, just watching how they approach water and how they approach each little situation a little bit differently. And there's mm-hmm. so much of that you start internalizing and learning over the years, it yes. seems like, huh? Yes. Um, now, what are the, you know, like, you know, with uh, your experience learning from Sakakibara and then Ishigaki mm-hmm. and perhaps other people. Do you see a lot of different styles of fishing between the Tenkara anglers in Japan? Everybody's different. Mm-hmm. You know, it really shows on your character, personality more than anything. Uh, maybe your physique, your size shows on your techniques. Um, even all the people I spent time with under um, Masami, Sakakibara, you figure, you know, the group of 20, 30 guys, they were all taught by the same guy. They fish similarly. No, they're each one is very unique and different um, that you can't imitate another person's fishing mm-hmm. and you also the great fun in fishing is to develop your own style and uh, to reflect your ideas onto your fishing as well mm-hmm. 
So I think that's the fun in fishing, because if it was just about catching fish, um, you get pretty old pretty quickly. Oh, yeah, and I think just trying to copy somebody's style. <laughs> right. Get, yeah, get old. And I, you know, I was thinking about this the other day, too. A friend of mine mentioned, you know, like instead of looking at all the fish in a stream as the fish, you kind of start looking sometimes as individual fish. You know, maybe mm-hmm. like one fish is going to take one fly presented in a certain way, another fish is just not interested in eating and and you start looking at the fishes and individuals too and it i think there's a cool kind of match that happens between people that have different styles with the individual fish too each um i've practiced tenkara on a big like fish farm and where they have snow fish to be stocked stocked the river with and there's hundreds and thousands of them and you cast a fly you know i take the hook part off so it's just a kebari without the hook and just to see how they respond um, sometimes a movement can spook a fish, but the safe movement can entice another fish and to grab the kebari. And it's really interesting to see the individuality in the fish mm-hmm. behavior yeah. as well. Yeah, and you know, there's a saying in Japanese, and it's a little bit of a play on words. You know, tenkara has ten colors. You probably right. have heard of that. <laughs> yeah. And wasn't there a Japanese way of saying that too? I think there was a. Japanese term. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Sensei development. Uh, I'm, I'm Japanese, but I'm not too. You've been in America for a few days now, so. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, there was, but essentially, kind of means you know. Ten oh yeah, junin jushoku. That ten persons. Jushoku. Oh no, it might be pronounced differently. They mm-hmm. might. Um, ju- so ten persons, ten colors. Mm-hmm. Ten persons, ten colors, because everybody has a little right. bit of a different way of doing it. Yes. And, yeah, and, and you know, like I always like to say sometimes people might have misinterpreted you know like uh, the stories that we're sharing mm-hmm. as you must fish in this way uh and it's never really been the the intention it's more like sharing how people are doing it so that because i know everybody's gonna tweak it you know everybody's gonna make it their own in, in a way after some time right, and we talked about it earlier you could go out you know fish on that river in a very specific way specific way with a specific fly mm-hmm. and do great and go back the next day thinking you're going to do the same no mm-hmm. and it could be entirely different so you constantly have to adjust and adapt to the situation the learning process is the problem solving process is uh, the most wonderful thing mm-hmm. yeah i think so too it's just like trying to figure out you know like and we can look at problem solving in a couple of different ways you know sometimes you know traditionally in western fly fishing mm-hmm. like a lot of the problem solving comes as solving the the equation of what is the fly mm. that's going to attract the fish and then in tenkara it might be a little bit of a different way of thinking about it mm-hmm. i think you know what is the technique what is the mm-hmm. presentation that's going to entice the fish and um well everybody there's in fishing because we're all humans and we've never become a fish before every now everything we know about fishing is well i would say almost based on human assumptions right absolutely um this fly works because of this and for that person it may have worked Mm -hmm. because the person knows how to use that fly Mm -hmm. and he might say use this fly because you'll catch fish but another person might use the fly differently and maybe not see the kind of success the first person did so developing your own style is not just fun but it's also important Mm -hmm. i think to successful fishing yeah and it becomes this you know kind of a sometimes a self-fulfilling kind of or self-reinforcing cycle i had a great conversation with morgan lyles from the Mm -hmm. book simple flies you know about this where 
you know, the the reinforcing thing. Like sometimes you have this one fly and you use it mm-hmm. and you catch fish and you assume that's the fly. And yeah. sometimes you start having doubts about other flies as well. So there's always this, and, it, and it's good to like not stay in a comfort zone for too long, I think. Just right. kind of once in a while experiment a little bit. And even I do that, even though I have like four variations of one fly that I mm-hmm. use, you know, like... Uh, the same one used by Ishigaki Sensei, mm-hmm. one by Mr. Amano. Once in a while, I'll kind of experiment, and sure. I'm absolutely not above like changing flies. If somebody gives me a fly to use and see what mm-hmm. happens as well, it's kind of a makes me think. Yes, I, I went on an outing with my friend Kurasan. Um, he's a very amazing one uh, angler who um, I think his cast is probably the most gentle and subtle cast I've seen of all anglers, and he was. A little bit upstream from me, and he was catching fish left and right. I wasn't really doing great that day, so I went up to him. Hey, what are you using? Show me what you got, you know. And he was like, Oh, I'm just using this. Like, hey, can I have that? I was like, Sure. And I go out and try, and so Kurasan is still catching more fish, and myself (laughs) just fishing without confidence. Like, do am I doing something Mm -hmm. wrong? And I think it's really in a technique. He knows, or he knew how to use that specific fly, and I didn't. You know, and that was the difference, and it just makes me. Um, the intriguing part of fishing is really that uncertainty in 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 or differences in our individual techniques or presentation, um, and it's confidence level really that dictates mm-hmm. your fishing more than anything. Now, so you you live in Tokyo, yeah, and you know there's not a whole lot of mountain streams right in Tokyo. Uh, where do you go fishing usually? Um, actually, you'll be surprised if you look on Google Map. There's a section of Tokyo that's all mountainous, mm-hmm. almost like um, New York. You know, you figure, oh, New York City, uh, it's a big city. You have no nature or natural environment. You go upstate, mm-hmm. it's all about wilderness. You know. Yeah, and I guess I forget how big and <laughs> sprawling Tokyo is too. We're not well, talking about the center. Right, we right, can, sure. How um, far of a drive from the center of town? But still, um, without traffic. Mm-hmm. One and a half hour. Okay. Yeah. Um, usually two to two and a half because getting out of city is just a big hassle. And that's still yeah. within Tokyo, the prefecture uh, of prefe- Tokyo. Yes. Wow. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, so anywhere between two hours. But see, um, when I select rivers during the season, I really depend and rely on the information from my other anglers that I know. Um, so we all go to different parts of Japan, fish on different rivers and try to brief everybody about the current conditions, kind of have this system set up. And mm-hmm. it's really nice because, oh, okay, I thought it might be good here, but maybe it's, it might be worth the drive to get out to that section of Japan five hours away. Um, so the furthest I have gone yet is about nine-hour drive away wow. from Tokyo. Which direction, north or south? Um, in the, um, it would be Kansai region. So to west of Tokyo okay. about yeah. 10 hours or 9 10 hours wow okay wow that's amazing so yeah yeah and was the fishing really good when you drove nine hours to go fishing actually I've been to that river I actually go about once or twice a year on some occasions it's fantastic well it's hard to tell with mm-hmm. nature you know it can be great one day next day might be just very quiet you know mm-hmm. um, so if fishing isn't great I'll just um, you know 
shift my mind and focus on drinking and barbecuing afterwards. <laughs> <laughs> and, and actually, that kind of you know brings up one thing that I wanted to talk about, and we talked a little bit about on the drive sure. here today. You know, just about the, the socializing. It's one of the things that I love to do when I go to Japan. It's mm-hmm. not. It's much more than just the fishing. And I think of sometimes course. we lose sight that there's all this stuff around fishing right. that makes the actual fishing really Absolutely. interesting. And I think early on, um, when I started fishing, or maybe just we'll just focus on tenkara. Maybe when I started fishing tenkara, I just wanted to catch fish. Anyhow, and after I felt like I could catch fish constantly with confidence, I think I wanted to catch more fish. Uh, how many how many fish can I catch in a day? But then after a while, you just realize, okay, this is kind of tiring. It's not. <laughs> All that challenging, exciting. I just want to. I want to catch a bigger fish. Mm-hmm. And you go for the bigger fish, and you catch a few big fish. Okay, it's it's still fishing. And um, eventually, you just realize fishing is just fishing. It's very satisfying. It's a great activity to do. But um, you want a little bit more than that. And then for me, what makes um, fishing um, the most exciting activity? is because I get to see and or meet these wonderful people through Tenkara, mm-hmm. like you. You know, if I didn't fish Tenkara, I wouldn't be here right now. Yeah. So um, this being able to relate to people um, because you share the same passion is really, for me, the greatest part um, of what I enjoy the most about Tenkara. Yeah, that's, uh, you know, and I think for... You know, I went through a period, I think, where fly fishing was a little bit of a solitary sport, you know, yeah. something that I... And I wanted to do it by myself. I kind of wanted, mm. to, I saw it as a time of going out and kind of having the time for myself, you know, mm-hmm. to be in my own mind. And once in a while, I still really like to do that, yes, actually. Of course. But I think there's something really cool about sharing it with other yeah. people, sharing the experiences yes. before, after, and during fishing. Right. Yeah. Um, of course, I, I do go fishing on my own sometimes, and that's when I really feel like I want to go and challenge a stream and challenge myself and catch um, as many fish in ways I want to catch them. Yeah. Um, there are those times, of course. But then if I was just out there fishing by myself every time, um, I don't know, I may, I don't know if I would enjoy it as much. Mm-hmm. So you really enjoy the, what do you enjoy more, you know, like uh, when you when you go out with a group, is it the, the fishing together with other people, like being in the stream and kind of watching other people, or is it the drinking and the barbecuing that happens um, afterwards? <laughs> both, of course. But when you're fishing, you yeah. learn from watching others. You know, okay, um, do I know how to cast like he just did? Or if you see somebody make a mistake, ooh, maybe I need to be conscious about these things. And so it teaches you um, uh, to from watching others fish. Mm-hmm. of course and of course the drinking and barbecue afterwards is always amazing you know yeah definitely <laughs> now let's talk a little bit about flies uh you know do you do you have a go-to like there's the whole concept you know like where a lot of tenkara anglers not all of them but a lot of the the very experienced tenkara mm-hmm. anglers they have their one kind of fly pattern maybe mm-hmm. they vary it a little bit but not much mm-hmm. and they kind of stick with it and usually they tie on whatever is in their box and uh, what right. are, what is what is your approach to flies um, I think at first, because the information was limited for me, uh, I just tried to imitate what I saw in books and then on websites uh, that people are posting, you know, these pictures of c- 
kebari, how to make them, and just try to do one kebari, try to catch fish with that. And um, and you go through phases, and you meet, you see somebody like Masami fish, a catch an amazing fish. Like, what did you use? And show me how to make that. And you just kind of get stuck on the idea of maybe using that fly. And um, but as you progress, you um, end up developing your own thing. You just it just sort of happens one day. Okay, I know this thing works. Ninety percent of the time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and of course, I mean, um, I so I have that fly. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's one fly pattern. It's one fly pattern. Like. Mm-hmm. And people talk. You know, the misconception about using just one fly is that um, you can take one pattern. <clears throat> and change the volume of mm-hmm. body, oh, yeah. head, um, hackle size, hook size, to make him function in mm-hmm. different ways. Mm-hmm. So you could either do that, or you know maybe add some colors and make it. So still, my flies are all made the same way, mm-hmm. uh, just with different things, different kinds of hackle. Yeah, and I think yeah, I don't think variations. I think. I believe most people understand there's some variations on the flies. Like, you know, we've talked a lot about, you know, like, for example, the box of Ishigaki sensei. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, he'll mm-hmm. have some flies that are a little smaller, some that are larger. Mm-hmm. Most of them are like a black thread with brown hackle, but he, was, he has yeah. some that are like a gray thread yes. with ginger. And primarily because he says he gets bored of tying the same fly, mm-hmm. but also because, for example, we did an event here recently and whatever material you know you give to him that is mm-hmm. kind of like what similar to what he uses he'll just use whatever is at hand sure. so there's sure. a lot of the variation or even like in one like uh with the feather for example sometimes instead of like you know like uh, we have the dry fly hackle like uh-huh. really even kind of like yeah. kind of hackle but there's also like really cheap kind of hackle that you can buy within one feather you might get two or three different styles of flies right Right. because you might have a stiffer barbules shorter Mm -hmm. and longer maybe softer kind of barbules on the flies so i think the variation is right and i think just you know playing with things and just coming up with your own Mm -hmm. um, style with with your own ideas is um and and you go out and actually catch fish with it it's quite satisfying, isn't it? Do you have a preference? And we'll try to post a picture on our website, tenkarausa.com forward slash podcast of the okay. flies that you use, perhaps. Okay. Uh, we'll try to get a picture of that. But how would you describe the fly that you give a preference? I mean, what size, what color, if you have a preference that you usually go with? Um, it's not so much the size. I think the overall silhouette. Mm-hmm. Um, and there are... Uh, like different conditions like wind mm-hmm. um, speed of the current mm-hmm. um, but is it uh, so like with, with the hook size let's say I mean mm-hmm. do you have a preference for the hook well, size I don't use anything smaller than size 16 okay. I don't use anything bigger than size 6 mm-hmm. so I'm like in between those yeah. uh, ones that I use the most are between six, no, 14 to 10 yeah okay and that's pretty common i think common, that's yes. what i used to right. um now when it comes to let's say the thread i'm a i'm a should i assume is it a reverse hackle fly the mm-hmm. sakasa kebari that you use um i would say when i'm making the hackle mm-hmm. and i start from the top of the head okay and when i put on the head i put on a little bit of the head and then i put on the hackle and when i'm after I put on the hackle, I make the body. Mm-hmm. So I sort of push the hackle 
reverse upwise mm -hmm. upwards so it sort of looks like a sakasa yeah but when i cut when i come back to the head i push it back again so i have this mixture okay of some hackle you know going the reverse way and some hackle going the the regular way yeah so um, so kind of like two plates one on top of <laughs> the other if you yeah, yeah, yeah. If, if that's the first thing that came to mind like you know i can make a gesture with my hand here right. but listeners cannot listen to that so if you were to put two plates yes. one on top of the other <laughs> and that's sort of what it looks like to okay. me at least because yeah. that's how i make it mm -hmm. um i forget i don't know why i started doing that yeah i was going to ask you how do you uh, you know is there a reason you came up with that or just something that something that just happened uh -huh. um, through watching other people make their flies or mm -hmm. um you know i've of course tried reverse hackles and regular mm -hmm. hackles and straight hackles mm -hmm. and just sort of got confused you know and just say oh i'll just make put everything together <laughs> and <laughs> yeah and, and when i when i'm in on the river <clears throat> fishing if i feel like the hackle is not the appropriate size or volume mm -hmm. i will just pluck some out yeah Okay, make it a little thinner. Make it a little thinner. Yeah. So I, I try to put on a little bit extra mm -hmm. when I'm making the kimari. Okay. And I adjust on site to the current. Do you ever, like I've done this before multiple times, even nowadays, sometimes I'll feel like, you know, maybe like something with a shorter hackle that will be a little bit more like a slimmer kind of yeah. nymph. Do you ever clip the yes, hackle yes. around yes, as well? Yes, Just, yes. Yeah. And um, especially in really, you know, Japanese streams are very mm -hmm. fast and, you know, sloped. Mm -hmm. So if the stream, if the, if the volume of the water is quite significant and the water is really fast if you have too much hackle it'll um, skid a little bit too much it's hard to keep the kibari or fly in the lane because mm. it bounces back and forth if it's too much if hackle because it's, it's kind of floating and I, would, and I would be fishing from upstream mm -hmm. okay mm -hmm. um, fishing from well f fishing towards fishing upstream casting upstream casting uh -huh. upstream in, for in fast current is very difficult because fly just flows down a little too fast mm -hmm. because there's a speed of the current mm -hmm. and also you have to add the speed of the fly coming back your way with the weight of the line mm -hmm. so that's that so you have the drag yeah. from your rod tip well the line starts sagging so bringing right, the fly yes, a little bit yes. faster than the so current so even if the yeah. fish did come out it's more mm -hmm. difficult to successfully f hook the fish mm -hmm. so in those situations it's it's um i think it's better to kind of curl around so mm -hmm. that uh, you don't spook the fish and um, sneak in. Yeah, go and, fishing from upstream. Right. Yeah. yeah, and cast it downstream. Yeah. And uh, present it that way. Mm -hmm. And if the water's too fast and it bounces too much, mm -hmm. maybe even if the fish did come out, it's not, it's difficult for the fish to grab it accurately. Mm -hmm. And I want to keep the fly in that lane as long as possible. So mm -hmm. those times I would just pluck all the hackle from the bottom so the hook of the fly almost works like a fin mm -hmm. on the surfboard and it helps keep the fly in that zone mm. um, interesting i haven't really played with that i have to give it a try <laughs> i do plug my hackle you know sometimes i'll just kind of cut all around it to make it mm -hmm. so that in yes in yes. fast water in particular you'll kind of not have so much resistance right. to go down uh, occasionally i'll do that but i haven't done just plucking the bottom part that's sure. uh, i'll have to play with that and, and i think that's a good point too you know just having having that adaptability you know mm -hmm. one thing that i like about the tenkara flies is they're really versatile mm -hmm. you know they're you can do a lot with a fly it's not imitating a particular bug mm -hmm. but it's kind of like passing by as any other yes um it's kebario fly in tenkara is all about the presentation it's not about the fly you mm -hmm. know 
yeah. it's about presentation mm-hmm. um, so you if you, you know, so you just work with your fly to make it work with your presentation mm-hmm. yeah that's a great point yeah. um, now in terms of uh, you know fishing in different places yeah. uh, you know you mentioned driving nine hours uh, in one particular instance in Japan or a couple of times a year uh, sometimes people think that all the streams in Japan are the same, you know, and there's not no. much variety. But how would you describe the variety of rivers and streams? They're not all small. They're not all steep, right? Um, okay, some streams you can fish in waters maybe that are like three feet wide, um, a couple of inches deep, and, and you'll be surprised how big of a fish you can find in there. Um, we've, we've done those little creeks, mm-hmm. Too, um, and there are guys that will fish in like really big, big, fast mainstreams. Um, and I don't know how many rivers we have. Yeah, something, there's a lot. Something <laughs> up in like twenty, thirty thousand plus, I think. Mm-hmm. And each river is unique and different. Yeah, it's. I mean, like you know, in Japan, at least seventy percent of the cut countries covered in mountains. Mm-hmm. And anytime you look at any mountain, it's gonna get all this water, mm-hmm. make little washes and streams. Yes. There's so much water there. Right. And um, we tend to go back to rivers where we had good fishing experiences. <laughs> yeah, of course, we all do. <laughs> but every now and then you try to venture out and make new discoveries. Mm-hmm. But the first time when you, well, well it's, I wouldn't say always, but usually the first time on that new river, uh, you're not going to do as well as others mm-hmm. who have fished on that river. Sure. You know, yeah, because yeah. you don't, um, every, even when you're fishing for the same species, say Yamame, Mm-hmm. Um, they come out a little bit differently, uh, and I, I think it's because of maybe different human pressure, maybe the speed of current, mm-hmm. uh, faster rivers. I think fish tend to hurry more. Mm-hmm. Slower rivers, I think, it gives them more time to be more cautious. And I've noticed too, like even like uh, actually, I was just noticing that a few days ago we had a little bit of a drop in temperatures mm-hmm. last week, and then it came back up. Uh, but once in a while, I noticed that like the the same stream same fish mm-hmm. the fish, fish just become a little bit more sluggish in their takes you know mm-hmm. even uh not usually of course in, when the water is really fast but a couple of weeks ago the fish here in boulder creek they were like really aggressive like they were mm-hmm. exploding under strikes right and then as temperature dropped and i noticed a few fish just kind of coming slowly for the uh-huh. fly and kind of uh-huh. trying to take it so uh-huh. it's always a little different the presentation yes. has to be different too because yeah. what i did when i noticed the first fish coming up slowly you know i just I was actually fishing from mostly like a cross, uh, maybe a little bit upstream from the fish, and kind of doing like a, what we call a dead drift, but just a little bit slower than the current. You know, just kind of trying to, let's just for an example here, let's say the current is moving at, you know, 10 feet per second or something. Maybe my fly, you know, just kind of trying to keep it moving at eight feet per second mm-hmm. or something like that. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden, giving the fish a little bit of a ch- better chance to take the yeah. fly. Mm-hmm. So that's something you do in Japan as well, yes. I'm assuming. And if all the streams were the same, mm-hmm. uh, we would get bored really quickly. Yeah. You know? <laughs> um, one of the, you know, I, I talked about how important it is for me to go see my uh, fishing buddies. But it's also important for us to change the scenery as well. And each river has its own uh, water color, different rocks on riverbeds. Um, fish look different too mm-hmm. by the river. Mm-hmm. And um, so every stream is different. We have a ton of them. So um, 
But see, if you look at map of Japan, you'll see how many, most of the green stuff you see on the map, it's all mountains. So we're 73% mountainous mm -hmm. terrain. And that's why population is so heavily concentrated in on flat surfaces in like Tokyo and Osaka. But we also have a lot of um, mountains that are vary from, you know, um, narrow to to wide to short to deep to everything. And you, and you just came back from fishing Bozeman, Montana. Yeah. You're visiting a couple a friend over there uh -huh. for a few days. And uh, I mean, the waters there, you know, <coughs> most people, of course, when you mention Montana, they're thinking big waters, Madison, and Madison River, right? you know, Gallatin, all those big sure. kind of waters. Uh, do you find some waters like that in Japan as well? Um, yes, we do. Um, maybe not so much um, in terms of ideal rivers for tenkara fishing. Mm -hmm. You could fish tenkara, and I mean, we do that mm -hmm. um, just to change the scenery. Um, but when the river gets really big, you either have to be willing to wade up to your neck, <laughs> you know, and mm -hmm. some rivers are pretty um, sketchy or dangerous to be yeah. in. Um, so we, I, I try to avoid those, but we, we have those options available. So, yeah, and it, you know, like sometimes there's bigger rivers that we fish with in Canada, but I think a lot of times it's personal preference. What, what are the types of waters that you really like fishing in, right? Mm -hmm. Like, I love mountain streams. Mountain I mean, Boulder stream. Creek to me is perfect. And, and Tenkara was essentially designed for those mountain streams. And that's where it performs the best, I think. I think so too. That's I always like to say. That's where it's going to shine yes. the best, like more than the other types of fishing as well. Because mm -hmm. it's a, you know, mountain streams. I don't think there's a tool that compares with Tenkara right. too. Right. It's the vertical relationship to the surface and the mm -hmm. fish. Yeah, just keeping um, the line off the mm -hmm. water. You know, on the other side of the current. Absolutely. Kind of thing. Um, now on your presentation you know this for the Tenkara summit coming up on Saturday uh, the uh, we're gonna be talking about fishing around Japan and the fish I mean do you have a favorite place they like to go to sometimes even though you like to vary scenery or a favorite fish that you like to pursue um well well since Japan has very distinct four seasons so my favorite river to fish in changes from season to season um, some of my favorite rivers are basically unfishable in the springtime because there's too much snow runoff. Water temperature is too low and there's too much water. Um, so I save those rivers for July, August. And so it depends. Yeah. No, you know, it's being interesting. So I've heard from a, a few people in Japan like that. There's been this revival in interest in Tenkara. You know, I think part of it since we Thanks introduced. To you. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you. <laughs> you know, but I think since like we started introducing it here, you know, people are like, oh, we can. You know, this is from Japan and it's cool over there. It must be cool. So some people are kind of taking it up. Do you see some of that? Absolutely, and we use the word gakuyunyu. It's when it's when something from Japan is re-imported into Japan. So Tenkara is becoming that. Um, so it's being brought back in again oh. from the outside it's from japan but it's sort of being reintroduced what, from what is the, the what is the term again gyaku yunyu gyaku reverse gyaku, yun, reverse. gyaku is uh -huh. reverse uh -huh. uh, yunyu is import okay yeah. interesting <laughs> yeah any other examples of things that have been re-imported to japan you think um maybe well, honda motorcycles <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. And watches that uh -huh. aren't sold in japan, like casio watches that okay. aren't sold in japan that's only sold in 
Europe. Uh-huh. You know, if you get them in Japan, it's a Gyaku new product. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. So Tenkara is a Gyaku new Gyaku new new effect. Yeah. Uh, in reimportation. The amount of exposure Tenkara is getting, especially in magazines, mm-hmm. is ridiculous. It's <laughs> every single magazine that comes out during the season is on is about Tenkara, and, and that um, is absurd because we Tenkara was so small. Mm-hmm. You know, like back when I started, I had a hard time finding a picture of a man fishing mm-hmm. tenkara. Yeah. But now you see it everywhere. It just, just sort of happened in the last four or five years since That's you so cool. started tenkara USA. And how do people, or how? Let's ask, how do you feel about that? Like you know, more and more people looking up at this Japanese method of fishing. Well, I, I think it's wonderful. You know, it's because it, it is my passion. It's great to know that there's more people out there mm-hmm. practicing it. Um, although I do kind of fear that there, there's going to be more competition <laughs> <laughs> yeah. in the reverse, but that's okay. We all, we have um, high level of competition fishing in Japan, anyways. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah, when so there's door guys, then the fly fishermen and the bait anglers are always present. So more tenkara anglers, you know, doesn't bother me at all. So. It's the paradox. I mean, both <laughs> you and I really like sharing tenkara or yes. fishing with a lot of other people. Yeah. But at the same time, we do have a little <laughs> bit of this fear that there's going to just go? be more people in the water. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, but that's okay. Mm-hmm. Because once you get to you'll get to a point one day, just you, you will be more keen on fishing that hard to catch fish. I mm-hmm. want to be able to catch fish that others can't. Mm-hmm. And that's like the ultimate goal I think that people would reach eventually. Because yeah. you know, if you're just catching fish, you know, um, all day and it'll get bored. Yeah, and maybe going a little farther too. I think once you kinda of start doing it, you know, maybe start yeah. venturing out a little mm-hmm. bit longer and you know, what about you know, do you have a sense of like how the the older generation of tenkara anglers feels about this uh, method being introduced in in the United States. Uh, how how do you think most people think or feel about tenkara being becoming so popular outside of Japan? Are they proud of it or not too happy? Um, people that um, we like know how to use the internet. You know, I'm sure they're. They're seeing how it's done, and I'm sure they're happy with it. I'm not sure. A lot of those older generation tenkara anglers, <clears throat> no, they're from the mountains. They're wild and outdoors experts, and but I'm not sure if they're really up to date. <laughs> you know, except for the ones that I visited, I <laughs> right, guess. Right, and I course. usually ask them the questions like, you know, how do you feel about this being and introduced? Of course, and those experts we yeah. we get to see and meet are present because they they're willing to promote themselves mm-hmm. there may be lots of amazing anglers deep in the mountains oh, that nobody are. knows about yeah you know? yeah it's uh you know i don't know if you've had a the chance to go to like hagiwara yeah. area you know that's where mr amano is and yes people know of him he's mm-hmm. not online or anything right. but and uh, there's, there's also a saiki san up in kurobe mm. you know mm. who supposedly nose hooks 98, 99 fish out of 100. Oh, no kidding. You know, he's a third generation professional angler, although he's part time. Yeah. Um, but so he catches Iwana professionally for he runs a guest house. Up oh, in he's, the still doing, yeah, he's still yeah, doing he still that. He still does just four months of July and August. Okay. So if he has seven guests, he'll oh. go out at around 4 30, comes back with Iwana, seven Iwanas of the mm. same size. Uh-huh. And 
if there's 20 guests, he'll go out same time, come back with 20. No kidding. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> He's that confident in himself yes. to do that. Because most so places. Here, at least. So I you're here. I haven't actually met him. So. I wonder. I mean, I'm going to have to look him up. And, uh, you know, I wonder if he. Because I've seen that in a couple of uh, ryokans, like a couple of guest houses mm-hmm. in Japan. Uh, if they're close to a river, mm-hmm. they'll have like a fish tank outside mm-hmm. with water running right yes. from the stream so they can keep fish alive. Right. So I wonder if you might be uh, doing something Oh, no, like no, no. This, no? Is, uh, <laughs> this is way up um, in the Alps, Japanese Alps, uh-huh. and um, there's no access to really anything. You know, yeah. you have to kind of live, bring everything in on a helicopter. No kidding. Right. And right. there's no, but there, the stream is probably not too far from him, I would imagine. Right. Yeah. They're That's all cool. Him. And the reason why he knows hooks is if you hook it on the side because uh, bone structure-wise, it's, it's more tender and soft. He has to yank the fish out of the water and catch uh-huh. it in his hand. Because uh-huh. if the fish touches the water, he has to rinse it. And if you rinse the fish, uh, the slime, it, which uh, when you roast it slowly, it becomes crunchy. Uh-huh. You have to take that off. So in order to give the best quality Iwana, grilled Iwana to his guests, he has to hook the fish and catch the fish in midair, basically. Wow. Okay, I oh, think we're. The string. we're I think we're creating a legend here. <laughs> I'll have to watch no, I, that. I, I'd love to witness this myself yeah. too. Maybe when you come back next time, we can go Let's together. Let's look him up. Yeah. yeah. Totally. But so he he knows hooks so that when he yanks the fish, he doesn't um, ruin the aesthetics of the fish. Mm-hmm. You know, when you service the. Yeah, because you're serving. You don't want to have like yes. an extra hole in there. And I wonder. So if he's in a Kurobe area too, there's the. Um, the last commercial angler that retired. Um, so his father was uh, Shintoyam, um, uh, Sone, Sonehara-san. Sonehara, yeah, Bunpei Sonehara. Yeah. So they all fished in the same um, Kurobe sections, but they divided, they had, they had their own territory. Oh, okay, interesting. You fish uh-huh. this section of the Kurobe, and I'll fish this section. And okay. So they had that. Um, I think there was three of them. Okay, interesting. So yeah. it's still kind so, of uh, kind of alive. He's the grandson of the one that used to fish with Toyama Shinawemon. Oh, the guide yeah, for yes. Mr. Uh, uh, Mr. Sato. Yes. Really? Yeah. Okay, so we're gonna have to seek the history out because mm-hmm. I, you know, I always, for most of the research that I've done, I thought the last commercial angler had retired. So. Uh, yeah, he's he's part time. Yeah, and I guess he's if he's only catching for a few guests that are staying there, it's yes. a little different from how it used yes. to be done. Interesting. Oh, that's very cool. Yeah, I'm glad you bring that up. So we'll <laughs> look him up. And uh, now, in terms of you know teaching more and more people like you, you also kind of help with some of uh, the I, people I in Japan. Try. Mm-hmm. I try. I try because I know um, a lot of people maybe feel. I just thought maybe some people feel like they're information deprived, or mm-hmm. you know they want to get more source information from its source type thing. Mm-hmm. So um, if I'm available, I have been quite busy the last few years. So. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I can't, I have to attend to my work first, but if I do have the time, mm-hmm. uh, of course, any time I would love to support. Yeah, and that's very generous of you to give time to it's teach fun. people. Yeah, it's yeah, fun. That's, that's awesome. Um, now, what do you, you know, like uh, there's a lot of, you know, it's a challenge, like we were talking a little bit earlier, you know, educating people here in the, in the United States and outside of Japan about mm-hmm what Tenkara is, it's not how it's done. I mean, you know, all these things, because we're sharing a culture Mm -hmm. that was not known outside of Japan until very recently. Uh, What do you think? Like, do you think we're kind of on the right track? And do you think people are kind of getting what Tenkara, how Tenkara is and that kind of thing? Or do you think uh, 
there might be some confusion that's out there. something i'm looking forward to find out at this mm -hmm. summit yeah because i have met you know you and others who actively promote tenkara and they obviously understand tenkara quite yeah. well but i haven't really met the average tenkara angler in the u.s yet yeah so i don't really have an opinion or any knowledge of that at this yeah. point no i think it'll be a fun opportunity on saturday i know a lot of people are looking forward to meeting you i got several messages already so thank you that's, That'll be really fun. Yes. Um, now, what do you, you know, like, I think we all kind of have this uh, passion for Tenkara. We like doing it. Mm -hmm. um, what are, you know, like your, what, what would you like to tell people, like, why they should go out fishing? You know, if, like, somebody is, like, just kind of curious about Tenkara or fly fishing in mm -hmm. general. I mean, what is it that, uh, that they are missing out if they're not fishing? Oh, well, number one thing is environment, um, more so than the gear. Um, I love the beautiful mountain streams, um, the forestry, um, mountains, and the process of, there, there are, you know, some dangers and risks in going into the mountains, but um, doing your own research about, um, you know, protecting yourself from a bear attack or a bee attack, <laughs> or, you know, those, those, yeah. it, it, it is, um, uh, a lot like going deep into the mountains, hiking. Um, and then Tenkara is also the most effective in that environment, happens to be. Mm -hmm. So you can enjoy fishing, very efficient and effective fishing in that beautiful and wonderful environment. Mm -hmm. It's like, why not do it? Yeah, yeah, no, that's, I agree completely. Yes. You know, and actually, I just remembered one of the questions I wanted to ask you, too, about your equipment. I mean, we don't have to get too specific, but uh, and you might vary it. Maybe you don't. But mm -hmm. what are your favorite rod lengths, type of line and line length, and then mm -hmm. tip it and fly? How would you describe the, the main lengths um, of the rigs? Well, because I um, fish, I don't fish so much in really small creeks anymore. Uh, fish tend to be smaller. Um, you could hurt them, you know, with the hook. Sometimes the hook would go through the eye or you can brain hook them. And so I've sort of shifted more towards not the biggest of fish, but the, the, the fish I like to catch the most are 25 to 30 centimeters. Yeah, so hole. about 12 inches 12 or so. 12 inches or yeah, so. 12 to um, when, you, when they get too big, they're just heavy. Yeah. You know, they pull hard, but, mm. in the, um, but fish of that size, like mm. 12 inches or so, yeah. they are extremely agile. Mm -hmm. And when you f catch them in fast streams, it's very challenging and exciting. Mm -hmm. So I look for those kind of fish so inevitably so you have to, re to you have inches. to go to a certain size stream mm -hmm. so nowadays i've been using longer rods between 4 to 4.5 meters okay so you're looking at 13 to maybe 14 and a half feet yeah. mm -hmm. and some people um have sent questions to me or others you know about hey, what can I do to cast a longer line? They they just want to go longer and mm. longer on the line. It's really a mistake because yeah. the mo biggest advantage Tenkara has, like I said earlier, is this vertical mm -hmm. relationship to the surface of the water. Mm. Uh, even if you could cast a longer line, you lose control of the fly. It's what yeah. happens after the kevari, the fly, mm -hmm. lands on the surface. Mm -hmm. You know, you want to be able to direct it so that it stays in that current. Mm -hmm. You know, the lane yeah. or the zone. Yeah, usually I try to tell people, go gradually until uh -huh. kind of you see like you have this sweet mm -hmm. spot, you know, but don't try to go just 
long lines just because you can. I right. think you start losing something. Even like that. guys like Masami Sakakibara, mm-hmm. um, he'll say that okay, I can cast a long line, but I won't have the control. Yeah. You know? No, it's yeah. I think uh, you know there's a sweet spot where yeah. you kind of. What is your preferred line length? So if if I'm using um, four meter rod, mm-hmm. uh, so my, about thir- just over thirteen feet. My huh? casting line would be about four point five to five. Okay, so if you're using a thirteen foot rod, then you're using, let's say, fourteen to sixteen feet of line mm-hmm. approximately. Mm-hmm. And um, if you if your tippet is too short, mm-hmm. then it. Um, because you're trying to keep your casting line off the water, mm-hmm. it comes back to you too quickly. You know, it's um, you, you can't keep it in the water or that zone too long. Mm-hmm. Um, you could practice and work with a very long tippet, like two meters. Wow. Okay. So almost six feet of tippet. Yeah. I, I do that sometimes if I just want the extra distance, or if I don't want to spook the fish. Because then the tippet will also anchor in the water, and not going to come yes, back to you yes. so fast. And yeah. um, sometimes the casting line, if it's bright mm-hmm. and the water is really clear, and I don't want to show them too much of the casting mm-hmm. line, I make the tippet longer. Mm-hmm. But um, do you usually like you know? I, I think we've probably learn from some of the same people mm-hmm. so I usually stick with about four feet of tippet so four feet is about meter and meter, a half meter yeah. meter and a half would yeah. be my average yeah as well okay yeah. yeah and then occasionally like maybe here like in a spring creek yes. very clear water I'll go for a longer yep. one so the same and then on the fly you, you talked earlier about fly size 12 mm-hmm. being kind of the average between mm-hmm. 14 and, and if you're gonna 10. use a really small fly you kind of have to reduce the size of your tippet mm-hmm. as well yeah so uh-huh. for tippet uh, diameter uh, I don't know if you're familiar with the X you know system I use yeah, 5x, 5x which is, is about 0. 5 8. pounds yeah. 0. 0.8 yeah. in Japan yeah mm-hmm. so about the same 5x is usually my standard mm-hmm. um, high pressure like Itoshiro uh-huh. I'll maybe go down to 0. 0.6 or 0. Oh, 0.5 okay. a little bit thinner yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, big river if I know um, although the chances might be thin, mm-hmm. if I if I know that there is a potential like 15 to 20 incher, mm-hmm. I'll, I'll push it up to 2.0 or 1.5. Wow. Okay. Yes. So you're looking at, I'm guessing here, 3x. Uh, Something like tippet. that. I don't have a table with me. Because if you do get yeah. that fish, you don't want to lose. <laughs> it's <laughs> yeah. not every day on Tenkara Rod you catch those big sure, fish. Sure. Yeah. And usually mm-hmm. I stick 5x is kind of my usual. And then if I'm going places that have bigger Fish 4x is mm-hmm. what I usually use, which is probably a little, just about six pounds, six and a half pounds. Mm-hmm. I think that's yeah. perfect you know, cool. for most yeah. mountain stream fishing. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, anything else you'd like to uh, tell people? Um, um, I don't know. It's um, It's been how long since you brought Tankara into the U.S.? It's been uh, six and a half years now. Well, hey, that's only six and a half years. I'm just, I just can't wait to see. Um, eventually, we're going to see some amazing anglers come out of the U.S. soil, you know. Mm-hmm. So, and I'm just waiting, and more products as well. Um, I think it'd be really exciting if one day we have like um, great anglers who can come out and teach us how <laughs> things can be done and rods maybe that are better than you know like the ones we can get in Japan. I, I think this is really a wonderful opportunity for us anglers everywhere, you know. Yeah. Um, because it's before this the big tankara movement, it really was hard to find products yeah. for tankara. Well, I'll be giving you uh, our latest rod release, the Sato. We'll see if uh, what you think of that. Thank you so much. <laughs> but uh, I think you might be wishing for too much to have somebody coming from here to oh, there to well, teach anybody. You never know. You never know. <laughs> I'll, I'll, uh, I'll assist Dr. Shigaki <laughs> on his clinics and that kind of thing, but uh, I don't think. Uh, I'm sure there are can... many wonderful. And it's all about the knowledge of the river mm-hmm. and 
Yeah. Um, you know, if you're in a great, if you're a great fly fisher, man. Okay, mm-hmm. and going from a fly fishing rod to ten car rod, yes, it's a transition of a technique, but your wealth of knowledge still can be translated or uh, shifted. Yeah. You know, absolutely. Well. Thank you so very much for sitting with me. We've got, uh, you just arrived here in Boulder. We got a couple of days of fish, three or four days of fishing ahead of us. And Thank you for lunch. Yeah, and, <laughs> and a few more lunches ahead yeah. of us as well. So yeah, I appreciate you sitting down and talking about your experiences. Thank you for this occasion. Perfect. Well, let's try to fish soon. Okay, <laughs> let's go. All right. Thank you very much for listening to the Tenkara Cast. I'd like to extend a special thank you to Nick Ogawa, also known as Takenobu. Check out his music at takenobomusic.com. We'll be posting links to any references we made in this podcast, such as Takenobu's music, on our website, www.tenkarausa.com forward slash podcast. And until next time on the Tenkara Cast.